Let's pray together. Oh, God, what wondrous love is this? Oh, my soul, that caused the Lord of bliss to bear the dreadful curse for my soul, for my soul. Ah, bring that price back to us. Thrill our hearts with the good news of our Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, my heart always thrills with a beautiful song. Mm -hmm. But my heart especially thrills when with the beautiful song there is a beautiful singer. Two weeks ago, we've been married, Karen and I, 43 years. Can you believe that? 43 years. We were 12 when we got married. That explains why you're saying, Dwight, the numbers don't add up. They just don't add up. So, no, no, no. <clears throat> you know, I hate to begin with such bad news because this is how it begins. John the Baptist gets whoosh, decapitated at the behest of a very wicked queen and her naive, accomplished daughter. Our story, to our story today, Two Fish and a Cross, begins right here, right now. Open your Bible with me, please, to the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew chapter 14. Let's go. What a dramatic beginning to so moving a story. Matthew chapter 14. I'm in the New International Version. Whatever translation you have is fine by me. Pull it out. You didn't bring one? Grab the Pew Bible in front of you. You see the page number on the screen. Let's go. Matthew chapter 14, verse 11. His head. That would be John the Baptist's head. His head was brought in on a platter. Imagine it a silver platter. And given to the girl who carried it to her mother. Verse 12, John's disciples came and took his obviously headless body and buried it. Then they went and told Jesus. I got to tell you, there's something poignant with that line. Then they went and told Jesus. I mean, they could have gone and told, gone home and told their parents. They could have gone and told their spouses. They could have gone and told their friends. They could have told their neighbors or their teachers. No, 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 no. The record reads, then they went and told Jesus. Oh, it's like that old gospel song. If I could sing, I'd sing it to you right now. I must tell Jesus all of my burdens. I cannot bear these burdens alone. You know what, ladies and gentlemen? That's absolutely true. Some of you have come into this space today, sacred space, summer space, and you've come with your heart just weighted down. I'm looking into your well-manicured faces. It doesn't look like there's anything wrong with you at all, but there's something down deep beneath that smile that is just, just a weight on your soul. And I've already been praying that in this space where Jesus is right now, that somehow He'll draw from your heart what you need to tell Him and take the courage and the hope He wants to give you. And oh, I pray that in a friendly church like this, that there be somebody in the next few minutes as we cross paths will say, hey, I want to get to know you. We need each other. 
I want to tell Jesus. I must tell Jesus. That's what the disciples did. They go, they, they pour out their broken hearts to him, and, and God bless Jesus. He just reaches his strong arms around them and draws them to himself in the inner circle of his own disciples. And then they go quietly. Nobody knows. They slip away. Look at that, verse 13. When Jesus heard what had happened, John the Baptist, his cousin is dead. And by the way, Jesus knows, I'm next. I'm next. He knows it. When Jesus heard what had happened, he withdrew by boat privately to a solitary place. Desire of Ages tells us just a few hours alone together to draw strength from the Master. But the people heard about this. Hearing, hearing of this, the crowds followed him on foot from the town. So they go around the curve of Galilee. And when Jesus eventually landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them and he healed their sick. I spent four, four days last week in the nation's capital, right on the edge and in it, Washington, D.C. I preached in the iconic church in Tacoma Park, Sligo. It only has one name. It's called Sligo. Preached in that church last Sabbath. I was there for a, a, a symposium that my friend Alex Santrak uh, put together, a symposium on preaching in urban ministry. Alex is Serbian, and so we, he said, I got a great Serbian restaurant we got to go to down in the heart of the District of Columbia. So a bunch of us went down there. I'm telling you what, like every urban sprawl, gridlock traffic everywhere you turn, gridlock crowds as far as the eye can see. Jesus is drawn. He's drawn. He's drawn to the crowds. And he had compassion on them. By the way, I remind you, cities are the largest container on earth of lost human beings. That's why God's so big on cities. There's so many of my children here. Jesus had compassion on the crowds. Now, Matthew, I don't know if he intended this, but he, he juxtaposes the disciples' reaction to the crowd right, right up against Jesus, and here's what we see. So Jesus has compassion on the crowds in verse 14. And now, as evening approached, verse 15, the disciples came to him. You can put the words on the screen there. The disciples came to him and said, this is a remote place, and it's already getting late. Send the crowds away so they can go to the villages and buy themselves some food. Jesus has compassion on the crowds, and the disciples say, yo, get them away. We don't need these crowds. Send them away. What, I mean, what are we supposed to do with them? We can't feed them. Listen, you have a hard time with cities. I have a hard time with cities. We're probably going to have a hard time going to heaven because guess what? Heaven is a city. Zion, city of God. We're going to get used to living in cities. Jesus surprises them. He says, no, no, you do something. We just told you we can't. Yes, you can. You feed them. Feed them what? Feed them what every crowd wants. What's that? Bread of life. You give it to them. It's the Gospel of John. And by the way, this is one of those rare miracles where all four Gospel writers say, we've got to have this as a part of our story. It's one of the rare miracles. So we got details in John. Because Philip says, oh, Lord, you want, us to, you want us to feed them? Yeah. Do you know how much money it would take to feed this crowd? Just guess. And Brother Andrew pipes up, yo, but I did find, hey, I found a little lad over here. He's got two shriveled fish and some five small little loaves of bread, but what is that among so huge a crowd? And then I love what Jesus says in verse 18. Notice what Jesus says in verse 18. Jesus says, bring, bring, bring that little lunch to me. Bring me that lunch. Don't you love that about God? 
Oh my. As a boy, you know, growing up in Japan, I was fascinated with the fish markets because Japan is a sea-bound nation, so fish is a staple of their diet. I mean, that's what they live off of. So I'd go down as a boy and I'd just watch these butchers slice and dice, fillet, wrap it all up in a newspaper, put it in a put it in a scale. The happy customer pays, walks away with fresh, raw fish. Japanese eat fish raw. I want to assure you that this little uh, Hebrew mother who sent her boy with that lunch didn't send raw fish. The fish would be stinking by now. It's no doubt was salted. You know how sardines can get salted for preservation? Two shriveled little sardines and five small loaves of bread. Give me that lunch. Bring that lunch to me. And he probably tousles the boy's hair. Thank you, son, for sharing with me. Don't you love that about God? Come on, you think about it. Hey, Moses, yo, what do you have in your hand? A rod. Hey, good enough for me. Bring it to me. Bring me that rod. We can do business with that. Yo, wedding coordinator, what do you got in your hand? I got six empty stone jars. Bring those stone jars to me. I'll do business with that. Yo, little widow, little widow, what do you have in your hand? Well, I have a little oil and a little meal, and this is our last, this is our last food. Bring me that. Give me that. I can do business with that. Gideon, what do you got? Lord, I'm already down to 300. Don't bring the 300 to me. I can take it. Can you believe God's mathematics? Because in every one of those instances, and in your life and mine as well, here's how God operates. We add, He multiplies. Have you noticed that? We add, humble little two shriveled up fish. We add, He multiplies. Mercy. Bring me what you have. Give me what you have, and I'll take it from here. God says, you add, I'll multiply, and we'll get along famously. And by the way, the heroes of Scripture got along famously, very famously with this God of the universe because they kept adding, and He kept multiplying. It's exactly what happens here. They, they didn't have a tithe envelope to bring their little, but they brought their little. Okay, verse 18. Bring them to me. Come on, bring that, bring, that, bring that bread and fish to me, he said, verse 19. And he directed the people to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish and looking up to heaven, he gave thanks and he broke the loaves and then he gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the people. And as I was studying this this last week, I said, wait a minute, there's something missing in this story because this is Matthew. I don't read anything about fish getting handed out. You read the story of the next verse. Not a word, not a peep about fish. I said, that's crazy. Did, did he only do the bread? So I went through all four Gospels, and I found out two Gospel writers say not a hint about him breaking the fish. Two others make it a key part, integral part of their narrative. What's going on here? I said, okay, who are the two that didn't? Well, it's Matthew, and of course, he's a tax collector. And then there's Dr. Luke, and he's a Gentile physician and a historian. And neither one says a word about fish. But the, ev the other two writers get this, the Gospel of Peter. That would be Mark, by the way, because Peter told the story to Mark, and Mark wrote it down. The Gospel of Peter and the Gospel of John, guess what those two boys were all their lives? They were fishermen. And they're saying, if we're going to tell this story, make sure you get the fish in there as well. He broke the fish. So they made their living. Fish and bread. Verse 20, they all ate and were satisfied, and the disciples picked up 12 basketfuls of broken pieces that were left over. Verse 21, and the number of those who ate was about 5,000 men besides, besides women and children. We're talking about 15,000 minimum. Two stinking little fish. 
and five loaves of bread in the hands of the God who multiplies when we add, and 15,000 people get fed. What a God. Can you believe it? You add, I'll multiply. What's wrong with mathematics like that? You add, I'll multiply. Desire of Ages. Right here at the top of the page in Matthew 14, I have this, this quotation written down. I'm going to put it on the screen for you. Desire of Ages, page 371, that classic on the life of Jesus. The means in our possession today may not seem to be sufficient for the work. What kind of work are you talking about, Dwight? Well, I don't know. It's whatever work you do for the glory of God. So what's the work you do? Whatever you do for the glory of God. You're a mother. I, t- I know the work you're doing 24-7. You are raising those little, those little cherubs for the kingdom of heaven. Whatever work you do. You're a plumber. God says, whatever work you do. What do we just read? If the means in our possession may not seem sufficient for the work, what can I do with this? doesn't matter what you do. Keep reading. If we will move forward in faith, believing in the all-sufficient power of God, abundant resources will open before us. You add, he multiplies. What's wrong with that? You add, he multiplies. I will take care of you, which is why I will put my trust in him. We spent six months coming back to that line over and over again. The seven-word credo of the Lord Jesus, Hebrews 2.13. I will put my trust in him. Give me what you have. Just bring it to me. You add, I'll multiply. And by the way, did you catch that line? What was that line? If we will will move forward in faith. Reminds me of the Israelites. Hot dragon breath of Pharaoh and his armies on their tail. The cold waters of the Red Sea right in front of them. And God says, hey, quit talking to me. Go forward. Move it. I'll take care of you. You add, I'll multiply. You watch what I do for you. It takes a little bit of faith to live like that because you're not sure how the story ends. God, Jesus says, you just stay with me, girl. You stay with me. I'll show you how this story ends. You'll be all right. Wow. Some of you are struggling right now. Are you afraid? Are you anxious? Are you worried about the future? Don't worry. I will put my trust in him. You add, he says, I'll multiply Oh, that quotation goes on. One more. Here's here's another line. If the work be of God... Oh, I love this. If the work be of God, he himself will provide the means for its accomplishment. Young father, listen, 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 young father. Young mother, are you here? You need to know that your anxious concerns over providing for the physical necessities of your tiny little family have been heard by the provider of the universe. He has heard this. He says, you add, I'll multiply. If the work be of God and your work is of God, I will multiply when you give what you have. Give me those kids. You know, struggling heart, your desperate need for money. He knows, lonely soul, you're longing for a life companion. He knows. Give me what you have. I'll multiply for you. Wow. Desire of Ages goes on. You add, you multiply, you add, you multiply. Here goes, here's, here's the next line. He will, God will reward honest, simple reliance upon Him. 
The little that is wisely and economically used in the service of the Lord of heaven. Whatever you do is for the service of the Lord of heaven. Whatever you do. So if you, if you use the little you have wisely in the service of the Lord of heaven, it will, what's the next word? It will what? It will increase in the very act of your giving, your imparting. In the hand of Christ, the small supply of food remained undiminished. It didn't get used up. It just kept lasting until the famished multitude were satisfied. Two little fish and 15,000 minimum people got fed. Give me what you have. You add, I'll multiply. You can trust me. You can take that to the bank. You add, I multiply. What a God. Oh, you add, I'll multiply. One last line. Oh, this is written on my page here. If we go, final line, if we go to the source of all strength, isn't this beautiful? With our hands of faith outstretched to receive. People say, don't go begging, begging, begging God. No, no. Beg, beg, beg God. God says, come to me. Come on. Put your hands out. Put your hands out and believe that I can feel your hands. Open wide your mouth, the psalmist says, and I will fill it. Just put, put your hands out. Put your hands out. If we will go to the source of all strength with our hands of faith outstretched to receive, we shall be sustained in our work, whatever your work is, even under the most forbidding circumstances, and we shall be enabled to give to others the bread of life. You add, I multiply. God says, this, these, 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 are, these are my mathematics. Come on, get this. You add, I multiply. In fact, that is the sign of the cross. Add and multiply. Watch this. The cross is a sign of add. You add, and then what does he say? I'll multiply. You got multiplication right there, don't you? And it's been a long time since I was in grade school, but I know this. You add, you add, I multiply. You add, I multiply. That's Calvary. Give me two little fish, and I will feed 15,000 people through you. Fifth, don't sell yourself short. Don't think, don't dream small. Dream big. I will feed 15,000 people through you. Just give me what you have. Two fish, I'll take it. Let's go. Move on. We got cities to reach, we have a world to save. And you've got to believe that when you add, I multiply. You have to believe that. Wow. So, a few nights earlier this week, a few nights earlier this week, Karen and I are having pillow talk. Do you ever have pillow talk? That's a good thing to have, by the way. If you're married, that is. <laughs> a little caveat just to keep this very clear. So we were, this week, Karen and I are having a little pillow talk in the dark. A great concern on our hearts. So we're talking about it to each other. Just talking back and forth, back and forth. Finally, we had prayer together. I prayed. She prayed in bed. And then we fell asleep. I woke up early that morning, earlier than my alarm. It's dark. I tiptoed downstairs to my study where I have my time in the early morning. And I want to bless the name of God because he gave me a little, he cut a little slack. He said, okay, get it off, get it off, because my mind is still on what was last night. And so God let me just kind of pour it out again, 
And God said, look at Dwight, are you through yet? You through? Because I'd like to say something now. And God said, let's just clear the deck of all this. I didn't hear an audible voice. You understand that. But God brought his word to my mind, and words came to my mind, and I'm thinking on those words, and I'm realizing those words are speaking to my very need at this moment, and I finally turn on the light. i got to read these words myself, and here's what I read. I'll put it on the screen for you. Romans chapter 8, verse 31. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all. Get this. How will he not also along with him graciously give us all things? I'll give you everything. Look at Have I emptied the treasury of heaven for you? Have I already emptied the treasury of heaven for you in the gift of Jesus? Is Calvary about you add and I multiply? Is that still true? You add, I multiply? Have I done all that for you? Yes, you have. Then what are you worried about? What are you worried about? I will put my trust in him. Wow. I mean, you keep reading, it gets even better. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? Some of you are going through that right now. No, Paul cries out, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who, has, who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future nor any powers, neither height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And just like that, that burden on my heart, it just lifted into the dark and just disappeared. How do you do that, God? You add, I multiply. It's my mathematics. It's how you'll survive this life. Bring me what you have. You got a heartache? Bring it to me. You got concerns and worries? Bring it to me. You got empty cupboards and a bank account that's about zero right now? Bring it to me. You bring me what you have. Your marriage run out of high-octane fuel. You bring it to me. You add. I multiply. Come to the cross. I'll multiply. Wow. Today, when we pick up the bread and the cup, that's what we're going to do. We're going we're to confess to God, I will put my trust in Him. Seven words. That's what, that's what the Lord's Supper is about. We say seven words. I will put my trust in you. I'm adding to you. And now you are multiplying for me. We add. He multiplies forever and ever. Amen. Yeah, I want to see that on the screen. You're just wondering, should we put it up now? This would be it. I want you to lock those words in your heart right now. We add. He multiplies. Let's pray. Oh, God. Wow. That's the news for us today. That's it. From the foot of the cross, you're saying this. I am. Oh, Father, we will put our trust. We will keep our trust in you no matter what is happening. No matter what is not happening, we will put our trust in you. We add, you multiply. And how could it be any better than that right now? So lift our spirits up. And when we sit at the table with Jesus, oh, just lock this deep in our hearts for the next chapter before us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're going to set the table right here, right here. We're going to put the table up. We're going to gather around it, as it were. There'll be bread. There'll be the cup, proof 
that when we add, he multiplies. The words are in the Gospel of John. If I, your Lord and Master, have washed each, other, each other's... If I've washed your feet, you ought to wash each other's feet. It's beautiful. It prepares our hearts to get, get God's mathematics locked in our souls. And so, listen, here at the Pioneer Memorial Church, I got good news for you. We celebrate open communion. You know, we don't say you have to be a member of this faith community or have to be a member of this congregation. No, you're here. If you're a worshiper, we want you to share this moment. You'll never be the same. It's going to bless you to the max. So here's what we do. We go downstairs. This business of washing each other's feet, the rooms are all set up downstairs. Over there, be couples, they'll fill up that room. Over here, if you don't want to negotiate the stairs, you just go to that little hallway, into the nursery. It's all ready. There'll be room for men and women. The, the, the center hallway down below. Jesus says, come on, just do this. Do this. Let me wash you. Let me just wash you clean. Then come on up here to supper. Let's have supper together. And that's what we're going to do. So God, go with you. No fanfare. Nothing fancy. We're going to come back to the table. And by the way, our singers will be here. Our, our praise team today is going to be singing as you come walking in, and you're going to be blessed. So without further ado, let's go. You can go that way, you can go that way, or you can go that way. Let's go with Jesus. Let's go with Jesus and serve each other.